Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Former Hawkeye guard Isaiah Moss has announced his commitment to Arkansas. The six foot five guard from Chicago averaged 9.2 points per game last season for the Hawkeyes and made 97 three-pointers over his last two seasons. To the playoffs, and we start in the Eastern Conference Finals of the NBA. The Bucks late over the Raptors. A one-point lead, two minutes to play, fourth quarter. Lopez for three, yes! The call from TNT is Brooke Lopez goes for 29-11. Stanley Cup playoffs and controversy out west. Nyquist with it, Sharks with numbers. Here comes Meyer down the right side. Kilo Meyer with a shot, that did not make it through. Now Nyquist drops it off. Score! Eric Carlson wins it for the Sharks in overtime. They lead the series two games to one. The call from NBC Sports Network as the overtime winner gives San Jose a 2-1 series lead. To baseball, the Iowa Cubs hosting a doubleheader today with New Orleans. To MLB, the Cubs with the lead late in the ball game Couldn't hold on to it as Carl Edwards served up a home run. And then this in extras. 1-0 to Yasiel Puig. And the Reds will go! In Minnesota, Byron Buxton goes deep. A high fly left center field. Nice call, partner. A two-run home run for Byron Buxton. His second of the year. The call from Fox Sports North as the Twins hold on for an 8-7 win. And tonight on 1460 KXNO, it's Barnstormers Weekly. Live from Mac Jack in West Des Moines. The voice of the Barnstormers, Joe Stacy and Dixie Wooten from 6-7 to 7, right here. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Thursday. We're underway, and we'll keep you here. Hopefully, we'll keep you here for the next couple of hours. We will do our best to just uh, to do just that. Coming up on the program, we're going to take a, a brief look at the KXNO's MLB team, the St. Louis Cardinals, as they are past the uh, 25% of their season is behind the mark. So we'll talk to Brian Walton uh, on the Cardinals. They got blanked last night by the Atlanta Braves. They'll finish up that season series tonight before making their way to Texas. Bill Bender, college football is Bill Bender's specialty, but he's branching out a little bit. He's going to be following uh, some of the NFC North teams in the NFL and opining on those. Uh, so Bill Bender, as we, by the way, Trent, passed the 100-day mark uh, of college football, but the return yes. of college football. So double digits from here on in as we get closer and closer and closer. Hawks and clones in the 11 o'clock hour. Mark Morehouse, 1120. Alex Halstead at 1140. A really good night of sports. Wish I could have watched the Cubs. Probably could have remembered after the game. You know, you fool. You forgot to go down and check 17.2. I'm assuming it was there. I don't know. I don't know either. Same thing. I just, it's not part of the rotation. It's you know? not. Nope. It's not. And you know what? We missed a pretty good performance by you, Darvish. Yes. Maybe his best as a cub. He struck out 11. No walks. Tw- no walks. 
No walks. 11 of the 21 batters he faced, he set them down via strikeout, which is really good. Look, we know he's got unbelievable stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just getting that stuff across the plate uh, that's been a struggle for him. Uh, but you Darvish was really good last night. Uh, unfortunately for the Cubs and their fans out there, they couldn't hold on as the Reds come back. Uh, to win it in extras, Carl Edwards, who's been really good, um, served up the home run ball. Uh, late in the ball game last night, blew the save, and uh, so the Reds took Game Two of this three-game set. Getaway day is today, and this kid Luis Castillo for the Reds, mm-hmm. one of the stories of the first quarter of the season in Major League Baseball. There's a couple of pitchers. Glass now with Tampa Bay, who's now hurt sadly. Right. Uh, he's been great, and Castillo's come out of nowhere for the Reds. Young guy that has a lot of arm talent. He was one of their big prospects coming up, and as we see a lot of times with those young fireballers, they can struggle early on. Mm-hmm. Go back to Nolan Ryan and what he was early in his career. Randy Johnson. Yes. Now, we're putting this kid, we just use him in the same sense with two Hall of Famers. But a live-arm guy. He does that, have, yeah. That, that can pump it up there in the mid-90s. and He's a strikeout machine, Trent, but it's like, it's getting it's those walks that add up for him, too. 24 of them this season against 70 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. A big improvement yeah. for where he Absolutely. once was. And in 56 and a third innings pitched. Mm. That is a really, really good number. Yeah, his ERA is under two. Going to be a tough one here this evening for the Cubs, but Quintana on the mound. Yeah, got to feel confident, good. right? You do, and then they get Scherzer and Strasburg, and uh, we either Hellickson. We think it'll it's be Hel- Hellickson, it will yeah. be Hellickson. It's yep. not Corbin. It's Hellickson. Corbin pitched last night. Oh, then yeah. a spot ahead of him. Then there's your answer. Uh, so we'll see Corbin on. I mean Hellickson rather on uh, Sunday night baseball. Well, we saw some controversy on the ice. We saw a Raptors team that, other than Kyle, La- think about this stat. Other than Kyle Lowry in the fourth quarter. Your Toronto Raptors were combined 0 for 15. Yeah. One guy made a basket for Toronto. One guy. And with the stop and a score, they could have won that basketball game. Trent, if, um, we, with, if the Raptors lose the series, ain't nobody's going to care in this market except for one person. <laughs> right. Well, some Nick Nurse yeah, fans out there. There's some Nurse fans yeah, out there. Yeah. That's true. But Giffy will take it hard. <laughs> yes. Um, but other than, uh, other than Kyle Lowry, just a, um, an unbelievably bad display of shooting and open looks one after another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, look, give the, give the Bucks credit. You know, I'm surprised, honestly, by the love that Milwaukee's getting, particularly on the TNT set. Barkley thinks they're going to win it all. He's not alone. There's a lot of people that think Milwaukee is going to win the NBA title. Man, I can't go there. I, is there enough to beat Golden State? I just it seems like a huge, huge stretch. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to come out of the East with no LeBron, right? It's completely different to take down this behemoth, maybe one of the greatest teams ever constructed. I mean, this is a dynasty for the Warriors, yeah. and short of a three-one and mm-hmm. Draymond being a moron in, in Game Six of mm-hmm. the Finals four years ago. We're talking about a team on their way to five straight championships. I know that Bulls team was pretty good, but uh, but this is uh, they belong in this era, no doubt about it. They are as close to a dynasty in this, uh, I think, in this era mm-hmm. as you can get. Now we'll see. It sounds like this is probably look. The Bulls broke up. The Warriors look as though they're headed for a breakup uh, in the. Um, Months to come after the season if, if Durant does walk away. But even if he does, I mean, he's out of the lineup now, and they're still playing pretty good. They I, won 73 without him. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, I hope tonight's a better game. I mean, last yeah. uh, game one of this series, there was never a point that I thought, you know, this can be a pretty entertaining series. Not the case. Uh, Tiger Woods, um, if there, for those of you holding out hope that he was going to go on this Grand Slam run... <laughs> 
he's double bogeyed uh, two out of his first eight holes. So Tiger, who hasn't played since the Masters, right. and it was downplayed. Oh, he'll be fine, doesn't need to. He's 43 years old. He's taking care of his body. I get all that, and there's probably truth to that. But he's you know, double bogeyed again. Two out of his first eight holes. That's not how you start a major championship. He's coming back, though. Birdie on, well, number one, which is his 10th hole of the day. But, yeah, double on his first hole. Mm-hmm. Doubled on the eighth hole. Yep. Has come back. Uh, he's got two birdies on the round. So he's plus two. Okay. This is not going to be a tournament, at least the, the way the conditions look, where you're going to have to fire a 12, 14, 16 under. Right. It doesn't appear that I'm with way. with you. Although today's looks like a pretty good day. Now, I've only seen still photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you can. Is, does PGA.com have the? Yep. I'll have to do that during the break um, so we can watch it. But it looks like a decent day, right, mm-hmm. weather-wise? Yeah, I think better than anticipated. I think so. Matt Rudy, who joined us yesterday from Golf Digest slash Golf TV. Sounds right. I think it does sound right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it does, too. Anyways, I want to go to the controversy on the ice last night. Yeah, you got to help me out here because I saw it. Uh-huh. I'm Over, watching we're it. in overtime. I didn't see it right away. I saw the replay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. It's a hand pass. It was a hand pass. And it's it, it's not reviewable. But look, I know the Blues fans are upset. They deserve to be. They have a right to be. Mm-hmm. This was the game-winning goal in sudden death overtime in Game 3, pivotal Game 3, uh, of the Western Conference Final. I get that. But earlier, it was either the same period or the period before, there was another egregious miss. This time it benefited the Blues. Now, it wasn't overtime where, where you know the puck gets behind your goaltender, Bennington, who's been terrific and one of the stories of this playoff run. But refs are going to miss them both ways. Now, seemingly, there's been more of these misses uh, in the playoffs, and normally they have benefited the San Jose Sharks in a big, big way. That major penalty that was called against Las Vegas. Game 7 uh, against Colorado had a couple of uh, questionable calls in that one, too. The Sharks have been uh, they've been on the right side of these calls, and they were again last night. But you cannot direct the puck with your hand to another player, which is exactly what happened. Now, it was tough to see. The guy that directed the uh, the puck was on his knees in front of the net. Still, there are four officials on the ice. One of them had to see that that was the case. But once they let the play go, it's not reviewable. And um, it should be. You can make that argument. But you could also, you know, it's like that Kentucky Derby. Well, in Europe, that's not a disqualification. Well, the race is held in Kentucky last time I checked. And if they're going to change the rules, that's one thing. But you're going to have to wait till the end of the season to do that. So, not reviewable. Not reviewable. The justification... Justification behind it is what that that's not reviewable. They when when the I never when the NHL enacted the um, uh, replay uh, rules, there were only certain things that that certain criteria that they would go back and look at. It's kind of like offsides. You can offsides. You can, but if you do challenge an offside and your coach challenge you, you challenge offside, mm-hmm. right? You think my one of the guys on my team went offside. You challenge it. You're wrong. You get a two minute uh, penalty for delay a game. Ah. Which is, and that's the only one, uh, challenge wise, oh, really? if you challenge and get it wrong. Is if you challenge an offside, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the only one, and you get it wrong, that's a for sure a two minute penalty. So that one you really got to think about. Right. Like, it's one thing to do in October, November mm-hmm. is an entirely different animal in, you know, uh, in, a, in a conference final, but that was not challengeable. Uh, it was a really entertaining hockey game last night. It really I, I enjoyed was. it. I was in the NBA, so I missed the. Goal with a minute left in regulation to force with, overtime. With short, yeah, with the, uh, the the goalie was pulled six on five. Yep, 
Pandemonium is one of those. Um, it's so terrific. I'm going to guess you were on the hockey during that. I was at that point, yes. Um, I, I was. Now, you know what? Was the Raptors over at that no, point? No, it was not, still not at that going point. On? Nope. It was in the final three minutes or so. That's. I got stuck there, and I wanted to go back, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I saw on Twitter... We're going to overtime. Right. Well, I miss that. And, and then the basketball game yes. was over. That's yep. what it was. Basketball was over in time for the, uh, for, yeah, just, just not to, you know, put the clicker down and not, uh, even think about going back. But look, it, it was, um, it, it cost them. There's no getting around it. It was, mm-hmm. it was a bad miss. Bad miss. But you can't let it, you can't let it linger. Game four tomorrow night back in St. Louis. Good series. I think this one is going to go, uh, the distance. Can't say about the same about the one that's going to play out tonight as Boston looks as though they're going to punch their ticket and represent the East and then wait to see who comes out of the West. But, you know, back to the, uh, the Bucks and the Raptors for just a second. Really entertaining game. The yes. Raptors came out and, and, and started taking it to him right off the bat. And I thought, bye. Well, boy, there's no hangover from that improbable, uh, <laughs> victory. That shot falling down uh, on Sunday, right? Yeah, it was yeah, Sunday. Yep. Um, but then here comes Brooks Lopez, of all people. I mean, Trent, what a game he had. He was unbelievable. I mean, not just hitting the three-pointers and everything that he did. Rebounding but, the basketball. Yes, the physicality mm-hmm. that he played with. He he completely changed the complexion of that game. Milwaukee fans were in it, even as they were down double digits during that first half. I mean, that crowd was into it. Late in the first half, they were fired up. It was, what a great environment. And it's, it really looks like it. And you know what else looks like it, too? That They showed the sports bar. They, is it Mecca? Did you, think, that's, where the, that's where the set is set up yeah. for Barkley and, and company. Um, Ernie and uh, the Jet and Shaq. Uh, boy, that looks like a fun, fun place to be. Yes, there's no doubt. Oh, my God. That's a, I, a blast. I have one Milwaukee Buck memory ever. And it was... 2004, 2005, right in that range. So we were up going to the Iowa-Wisconsin game. And the night before, the Bucks were playing. Well, it was on some TV. We were at some bar watching, doing our thing, drinking some beers. And all of a sudden, this eruption across the whole bar went out. It was the Bucks hit a game winner. We weren't even watching the game. What's going on here? A November game, and all these people are losing their minds. There is a lot of love for the Bucks. I guess, up yeah. There. And, and for... Somebody that hasn't had much history. I mean, you got to go back to Lou Alcindor before he became mm, Kareem yeah. to really find history. They right. made the conference finals in 01, and they were ripped off in that series against the Nets. But there just isn't a whole lot there. But still to be a part of the community, not a huge city in complexion to, to other ones. sports state when it comes right down it, to it. It really you know? is. It really is. I mean, the Packers obviously carrying the torch, but mm-hmm. look, the Brewers are good. The, the Bucks are now making a big playoff run. Wisconsin football and basketball. And basketball, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, maybe an underrated state yes. of the states that surround us. But they're weird up there, boy. Bunch of weirdos. I'll take your word for it. Don't I, I've spent maybe well, I went to, I've been to Miller Park. Okay, uh, I might have been the only time I ever set foot in Wisconsin. Camp Randall is can be a fun experience. Mm-hmm. Can be a bad experience. Why? Why do you say that? Fan related. Fan related. Yeah, I have always had good experiences, but I've heard plenty of negatives throughout the years. I've always enjoyed my time there. Maybe it's because I'm usually with some Wisconsin people. I have family up there and have some brethren of of the other Wisconsin people that make it not quite as bad. Uh, speaking of that game that we were up there for, it was Barry Alvarez's last game. Oh, really? Final game in Camp Randall. Huh. Didn't have a real good feeling that I was going to win that football game that day. I mean, Seemingly it, up against it. Yeah, right. Barry. And uh, so the lady reaches over. No, that was the year, the year before. 2003. 
the Robert Gallery Nate Nate Chandler game where Robert Gallery in the locker room allegedly threw a trash can across the locker room and says we need to get better quarterback play here mm. that game. I don't so, know that story. The lady that we bought se- the tickets from, her season tickets, reaches over as Wisconsin was uh, up double digits in the first half and taps me on the leg and says, hey, you want some of your money back for these tickets? <laughs> and after Iowa held on and got the victory late, I'm like, you want a little bit more for these tickets? <laughs> got her back right at the end. Nicely done. Uh, your twins yesterday, boy, I thought they were going to let one get away, Trent. Yes. They, they're, uh, Hilgenberger, who I like. Yeah, I mean, he's not been. He's not great, by but he's okay. He's, yes, boy. Yesterday he really struggled. I thought, ooh, Baldelli, you're leaving this kid too long. He got sent down right after the game. Oh, I didn't know that. Did he? he? Did yeah. They ooh. they sent him back down. He has been used a lot now the last couple of seasons. You saw him a year ago really break mm-hmm. down as the year went on, and I think that's the concern. The usage that they have with him, a sidewinder. Yeah, he's got that goofy delivery, the submarine style, and and with it. Now, things get a little bit off. You start hanging things a little bit. Not like a guy that blows it up there in the 90s. He is movement. That is what it's all about from him. And when things get off or the arm gets a little bit tired, you saw what you saw yesterday. And then they're turning all kinds of different directions. Found a way to get out of it, but nice win. A nice series victory against the Angels. Get well, out it took of there. two or three, right? Two they lost three. the opener. Not too bad. And Byron Buxton now, I mean, he was leading the league in doubles, American League, for quite a while. He's got a couple of homers. We know about the great mm. defense. Is it is it finally all clicking now for Byron Buxton? Uh, you want to think that that's the case. Because he, this kid, I mean, it, is he a five-tool player? Was he, when he came up, did they refer to him as a five-tool prospect? Yes. He he had it all. The, the one that hasn't come has been the batting average mm-hmm. more than anything. Right. But he's always shown pop. Of course he has the great speed. Speaking of that, baseball perspectives had a piece on him. Did I bring this up to you? He has not stolen third base with that great speed in three years. He's only done it twice in his career. How mm. odd is that? Yeah, that as fast as he can run, you'd think. Yeah, good point. Uh, by the way, Sano was in the dugout yesterday. Yes, he has been activated off the list, so he will be ready to go uh, next game out for the Twins. I think the Hildenberger maybe news had something mm, to do with that. Maybe. They, and they have the decision now with Garver going to the IL with his uh, his ankle injury. So, a lot of moving parts over there, but Snow back in the lineup. Marwin Gonzalez can go back to the super utility role they initially He's got He's eaten up for. a little bit, Trent. He has been. He's been hitting the ball well. This is a good team. Offensively, I've talked about it, just how good they are. The slugging percentage leading American League and, and how good they are offensively. You couple that, though, with the pitching performances that they got. Odorizzi's been solid. You know what you got with Barrios, even though he wasn't good the last time out. If Martin Perez, not the level that we saw those three straight starts where he was just lights out, but if he can be... Just a guy that you can rely on, get six, seven innings every single time out, and a bullpen that still has some work to do. This is a team, certainly, I think, is the best in the American League Central. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I don't think there's any. You know, we got to give them more love. we got to reach out to somebody up there and do a Twins segment yes, sometime next yeah. week. I talked with uh, Nick Nelson from Twins Daily, who we've had on in the past. He was busy. Uh, he's actually heading out to Seattle for the series, so he was in traveling. All the people we tried to get on today, early uh, yesterday, all traveling today. What is it? What is it about this Thursday? Don't know. Don't know the answer. Scott to that. Miller, he's bouncing around. We'll have him tomorrow. Chris Andrews, he's traveling. Gonna we'll have him Chris tomorrow. Chris Andrews from the South Point yeah. in Las Vegas. So we'll get them all, but travel day apparently on Thursday. Apparently so. Well, we're going to get Brian Walton. He's coming up. Bill Bender from the Sporting News as well. Bill wrote a really good piece on the Green Bay Packers. Really good. If you're a Packers fan, like I'm a. 
Um, we're, I'm a Dave Sinekin fan. The HeadCheese.com, he's very good to us. So is Bill Bender, and Bill Bender wrote a great piece uh, on, on the Packers, and I guess he's going to um, spread his wings a little bit. Sporting News uh, going to get a little bit more out of Bill Bender. They're going to have him look at the North uh, in both the uh, NFC and the AFC, and I assume that'll be uh, the case all season long. So we'll pick Bill's brain. Right now it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword COIN. To 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000 cash. That's coin to 200, 200 standard message and data rate supply. Cardinals talk when we come back. Barnstormer Weekly tonight, is that what I heard you say? Yes, Joe Stacy and Dixie Wooten will be out at Mac Shack Good. in West Des Moines. Stop on by, see the guys as the Barnstormers just keep winning games. Yeah, I saw they had a big uh, comeback to win this last one, right? Isn't that how they won yes. it? They were down and, and, and uh, came back to, uh, well, the defending champions. Right. Getting everybody's best shot. They Well, they were. They got that bullseye now. Still don't like the trophy. No, it doesn't do it ah, for you. They ripped off the Stanley Cup. You know, come up with your own idea. It looks pretty good, though. Yeah. If you're going to rip one off, that's the Well, one that would off. be the one, but at the same time, it's kind of like you and me using somebody's catchphrase. Right, right. You know, it's the cup. You can't make a trophy that looks like this. That's the holy grail for crying out loud. Anyways, team's playing well. Uh, Barnstormer Weekly tonight uh, coming up on KXNO with Joe Stacy and the head coach, Dixie Wooten. We will take a timeout. And come back, Brian Walton, Cardinal Talk, Bill Bender before we get out of the 10 o'clock hour. Hawks and clones in the 11, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. Oh, by the way, got Bill Bender coming up. You're going to be proven right. Clemson, Syracuse, yes. ABC, Saturday night. That's their primetime game. Been telling you, I know all the love around here, but taking away the love of our Cyhawk game. Putting it aside. They're going, well, root for Syracuse to lose. Maybe that's the one caveat you put in there. They do have to go to Maryland week two. Mm-hmm. Possibility. Yeah, it's possible. I'm with you. A lot of Terrapin fans in the state of Iowa that week. There indeed will be, no doubt about it. All right, a lot of Cardinal fans, and the Cardinals play here right on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. They'll wrap things up tonight before in Atlanta before they head to, well, Fort Worth, right, uh, for the uh, Rangers series. Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com, he joins us. We catch up the latest with the Redbirds. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Brian Walton? Well, I'm doing fine. The St. Louis Cardinals aren't so well. Last time we talked, they'd won, I don't know, what was it, like uh, 10 out of their last 11, and we're heading into the big series in Chicago in first place. Yep. And now, all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, they're three and a half games out in third, and, and uh, nothing seems to be going right. No, indeed, including Gant last night, and it's hard to criticize this guy. Because I want to ask you about him. I don't think we've brought him up in this conversation. But every time I you know, look at a Cardinal box score or, or he's been uh, you know, brought into the game in relief, he's been lights out. They got to him yesterday, which uh, kind of an anomaly for him regarding this year. What's his story, Brian Walton? Well, John Gant was originally drafted by the Mets, uh, traded to the Braves, and then the Cardinals got him in the Jaime Garcia trade. And yeah, he was in a fight in spring training for the last rotation spot. Uh, Dakota Hudson won it, but then Gant's become a, a very, very valuable member of the bullpen. And you know, he's he's known for his changeup, but he's you know he's got a good set of pitches, and 
he's proven to be very valuable. But I think what we've seen this year is that the, the Cardinals' bullpen masked a lot of problems early on with a rotation that hasn't been consistent. And now they're starting to show a little wear. And, you know, when the bullpen can't come through, obviously it's very obvious as, as what happened last night. Although, I mean, you know, the offense doesn't score any runs. They're not right. going to win no matter whether they give up two or four. Well, and one of the big reasons is the top of the lineup is it's a continued struggle mm-hmm. with Carpenter at the top. You know, we talked two weeks ago with you, Brian, and we mentioned the struggles that he's had kind of historically, certainly last season, getting off to a slow start. We're now in the middle of May, and these uh, continued problems for Carpenter. A change at the top, a change that they need to go to, and maybe it's Dexter Fowler that gets mm. the top of that lineup? You know, it's, it's something that's been talked a lot about, Trent, and, and and even within the Cardinals, although, you know, they want, they want to stick with their guys. If it's one thing we've seen from manager Mike Schild is that he has been loyal to his players. He's been loyal to his lineup and he hasn't shake, you know, shook things up at all. Most teams by now would have taken Matt Carpenter and moved him down in the bottom third of the order. But then again, you know, we've got all the Dexter Fowler baggage. There's a segment of Cardinals fans who, you know, remember his terrible 2018 and, you know, don't want to give him any benefit. But if you look at the stats, the stats, say Dexter Fowler has the highest on-base percentage on the team at 415. And conventional wisdom says the guy who gets on the base most should be at the top of the lineup, not batting seventh. So, you know, I, it's going to be about time to, to do something different with this lineup. And about all they can do is change the players around. I mean, pl- change the order of the lineup around because it's not like there are any guys sitting on the bench that are tearing things up either. What's Fowler attributing uh, his success so far this year as opposed to that really disappointing year? What, what, what does he believe uh, has got him back on the right track, Brian? Well, he had a lot of foot problems, and you know that that affected his defense, but also his ability to get out of the box and get down to first base. I think what we've seen in Dexter Fowler this year, he's shortened up his swing. He's not, you know, he's not hitting for a lot of power, but he's showing the selectivity necessary by you know taking the walk when necessary to get on base. And you know that's the kind of game that Dexter Fowler had. He'd always been a leadoff kind of guy, but the Cardinals had this deal where it seemed like Matt Carpenter's the only place Matt Carpenter could play was leading off. If you remember when he struggled last time, everybody tried to blame a lot of not everybody, a lot of people tried to blame him on the fact. Well, he's batting third, and that's got him all messed up. Well, we've seen Carpenter stayed in the leadoff spot, and he's still you know batting just one ninety nine. So I don't think the problems Matt Carpenter has have anything to do with where he's in the lineup. So we know this division is going to be incredibly difficult with the Cubs, with the Brewers, and the Reds and Pirates certainly both showing pulses too. It's going to be a haul to get not just to win that division, but maybe even get a playoff berth as a wild card. What kind of retooling would you anticipate for this Cardinals team? What would they be looking for as we, well, we're still a ways away from the trade deadline, but somebody always moves in June, Trent. You're right. Well, you know, and now they've gotten rid of the waiver trades that used to occur in Mm -hmm. August. So there's a little more, uh, there'll be a little more urgency, of course, to, to get some of these players done. I think trades done. If you look at what the Cardinals' biggest weakness is, it's been probably been the rotation and the back end of the rotation specifically, uh, Dakota Hudson. Uh, young guy, it's his first year in the rotation. He's had his bumps and bruises. But also Michael Waka, who has been so dependable in the past when healthy, has had a lot of walks this year, uncharacteristically. And while he pitched better on uh, Wednesday night, his ERA is right around five, the worst in the rotation. So I think if the Cardinals you know, try to make a trade, they're going to try to figure out a way to strengthen that rotation perhaps. Because it looks like Carlos Martinez, who's been pitching in rehab in, in minor league games, is going to come back as a reliever, not as a starter, which is 
not necessarily what they wanted, but apparently his shoulder is such that he doesn't feel comfortable throwing 100 pitches in a game. One more on Dexter Fire, uh, Fowler, Brian. Brian Walton, the Cardinal Nation here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Do you know, was there something to, was there a feud? Uh, Fowler and Mike Matheny, did they get along? I mean, was that part of it, perhaps? I wouldn't call it a feud, but certainly Fowler didn't believe that Matheny supported him, that Matheny had his back. And Fowler talked about issues of depression and, and, you know, not feeling like he was fitting in last year. So certainly once Matheny left and Schilt came in, they, um, Schilt went, you know, bent over backwards to make sure that Fowler felt like, you know, he was a part of the team. They assured him that he would be the starter in right field this year. And I think certainly, I mean, any player, if you have a positive attitude, if you feel good when you come to work, you're probably going to perform better than if you know that your boss maybe doesn't uh, like you all that well. couple of questions on the injury front for you. Brian Walton joining us, Cardinal Nation, as we take a look around the KXNO team, the St. Louis Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill, he's coming back uh, with it. Three off days here coming up the next couple of weeks. Could they decide to maybe send one of the bullpen arm, arms down and go with the 12-man uh, pitching staff? And then secondly, Carlos Martinez, where he is in terms of his rehab. Okay, uh, Tyler O'Neill's down AAA, and he's uh, swinging the ball more consistently. He's still, you know, doing what he does, which is hit, hit home runs. He's striking out a little bit less, which is, you know, continues to be his major problem, and that is selectivity at the plate. You know, when he, when he, when he connects with the ball, it goes a long way, but he's just, he's struck out too much. And as a result, Jose Martinez has really, you know, grabbed regular playing time with Fowler moving in center and Harrison Bader on the bench as well. So even if O'Neill's called up, it's not clear where he's going to start because the other outfielders have been, have been playing fairly well. Carlos Martinez has been uh, pitching in rehab, and they've moved him from AAA to AA, and the reason for that is just to keep him closer to home. When those teams go on the road, mm-hmm. they don't typically send the major leaguers you know, out on the, on the road trips. Uh, Martinez has been pitching pretty well until – his last time out yesterday, he pitched two innings in uh, in Double A and gave up a couple runs, gave up or one run, gave up four hits. Uh, so not particularly sharp, but I think they're still looking at trying to bring him back this weekend and hoping that he can revitalize a bullpen that, as I said, has been has been worked fairly hard in the early part of the season as the starters haven't gone as deep into the games as they'd like. You know, you mentioned Harrison Bader, and I, I like this kid's game. What's been his struggle? Is it uh, at the plate? Is that what's keeping him on the bench? Yes, yes, that's right, Ken. He, he's traditionally been very, very strong against left-handed pitching, but hasn't hit right-handed pitching well. And overall in the season, his batting average is just above 200, like 209 or something like that. And the question on Harrison Bader has always been, is he going to hit right-handed pitching well enough to be a full-time major league starter? Because his defense in center field is gold-glove quality, no doubt about it. But the old days when you know, lineups could afford to have a guy hitting in the low 200s are gone. Every, you know, the, the players have got to be able to both hit and play defense, and that's been the challenge for Harrison Bader this season. But it's still early. Indeed. Uh, you know, the Cubs, uh, they'll see the Cubs, I think it's what, six times in the next two or three weeks or so, Brian, somewhere around there. They stay on the road before they come home, the Royals. At the end of the month, the Cubs come in, and then they go right back, they being the Cardinals, go right back to Chicago within a week. So uh, Cubs cards, a lot of, a lot of those uh, clashes coming up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, after the, the Cardinals play the Rangers and the Royals and uh, the Braves again and the Phillies, so they've got a chance 
against those teams maybe to make up some of this ground in the division. So when they play those, I think it's like six games in ten days, one series in St. Louis and then another series in Chicago. I'll, I'll be at one of those games I, I plan to in early June. But, you know, the Cardinals have to hope by that point in time they're within striking distance and they don't get dominated like they did in in the first series in you know in Chicago. You're uh, removed from St. Louis right now as you're down in Florida, Brian, but I'm sure the angst of St. Louis right now. A lot of upsets Blues fans with the the crossover that you see with the Cardinals. Yeah, the the, the city's really embraced the Blues, uh, uh, and you know, with the Rams having left, uh, that's a, that's another you know thorny issue. But you know, the Blues. I think there was almost so much excitement when the Blues won their last round against the Dallas Stars. There seemed to be kind of a, a fan let up. I, mm-hmm. You know, it was celebration as if they'd won the Stanley Cup. And and you know, granted it. Given the the terrible way the Blues started the year, it was it's been quite a turnaround, and, and my cap's off to them. Yeah, no doubt about it. They were the worst team in hockey on as recently as January the second. Now they're playing for an opportunity to play for a Stanley Cup. They are what they're seven wins away from a parade in downtown St. Louis. Brian Walton, the Cardinal Brian, thank you as always. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come. Appreciate it, Brian. So long, guys. Yeah, take uh, take care. Good to talk to you, Brian Walton, the Cardinal Com for you Cardinal fans out there. I can't wait. I need more Cubs cards in my life, Trent. It's, yes. it's, it's really good. And the Cubs got their number when they were in town, what, the first weekend of May, I think, or second weekend? And recently, anyways. I almost wish that uh, all those games would be July, August, and September, in a way. I mean, it's nice to get them early, but the importance when we're really looking for things, especially that July and August time. You know, you bring up an interesting, how many, I'm going to go to the schedule. How late it goes. Yeah. When will these two teams be finished? Wouldn't it be great if they can finish the year oh, with them? Oh, yes. So they, they finish the year with them. <laughs> they, they host the Cubbies uh, 27, 28, 29th of September. Um, they will see Chicago. Seven times in the final 12 days of the season. How good is that? At Chicago, Thursday the 19th through Sunday the 22nd. Then they go to Arizona before coming home to finish the season at Bush against the Cubs. What if that's for a division? I mean, the Brewers aren't going away, I don't think. I don't think so. But the fact that we've got seven games Cubs cards in the final 12 days of the regular season. Sign me up. Yes, indeed. All right, we're going to sign up for Bill Bender. Yes, you in? That sounds great to me. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com. We'll talk college football, NFL with Bill, uh, one of our regular weekly guests. Look forward to catching up with him. He's next, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. The Gap Today. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Thank you to Brian Walton. We take a look at uh, KXNO's MLB team, the St. Louis Cardinals, to spend the weekend uh, in the state of Texas taking on the Rangers this weekend. Right now, let's talk college football and a little NFL football with Bill Bender as he did a really good piece on the Green Bay Packers. Of course, you can read BillSportingNews.com, uh, and he joins us. Uh, Trenton Ken, Bill, how are you? Good to talk to you. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Are you picking up? I mean, are you getting more and more, I guess, college football ready? I know that I certainly rely on you a lot. Your college football playoff, uh, your title contenders piece came out last week. Very, very informative. And uh, you know what it is? It's a, uh, it's a real reminder, maybe, of some of the things that you've forgotten uh, since college football crowned their national champion. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's one of those deals where, we have a we had a lot of content out last week, and that doing the 
true contenders. I really, it's hard to do because I think, you know, you fill in the blanks after Clemson and Alabama, and we've talked about that a lot on your show, and then you try to figure out how far down would you really go to a team that you think can win its conference, cannot lose twice, and then can win two playoff games when they get there. And I think it's a really short list this year that continues to get shorter. So Ohio State would be on there. Um, somebody from the Big Twelve. I'm I'm going to go Texas just because I think it's their year. Uh, who else, Bill, would be in the you know teams that'll vie for teams three and four if it goes like we expect it to? That Alabama and Clemson are at the top of that list. Well, I think you hit it. I think Oklahoma and and Texas in the Big Twelve. I think Ohio State still that legitimate Big Ten title playoff contender, and we've seen them do it. And then um. You know, Georgia's probably the first name that comes off most people's tongue there because, uh, you know, they've got a big offensive line, good quarterback, and, mm-hmm. and we've seen them play Alabama into the fourth quarter. So I think, you know, once you get past those six, you know, Notre Dame, can they win when they get there? Michigan, can they get there? Um, LSU, that's another one that they have to play Alabama. So, Again, it's this very short list. And, I mean, that's Sporting News Top 10, mm-hmm. you know, and you wrote Florida in there, too. So, if four of the national championship contenders are in the SEC, and I would rope a fifth in Texas A&M, what's that say about the rest of the landscape? You know, Bill, you have the haves and the haves not in college football. It becoming, it's becoming ever-increasing, just that gap between everybody else. But we've seen teams that have come... Not out of nowhere, but not preseason top 10 that have at least made it to the college football playoff. Is there a team or two, and I know you have your rankings and those teams that you like, you probably do have a little bit higher than some other people, but teams down the board a little bit more that you do think has maybe an outside chance of making at least to the college football playoff? I think I wouldn't go too much further past Auburn at 16 because Auburn, as you guys know, they're so unpredictable. And then it's kind of hard because I know where you guys are situated and Saying that a Big Ten West team could make the playoff, Mm -hmm. on one hand, we have seen um, Iowa and Wisconsin go 12-0 and Mm -hmm. in recent seasons. On the other hand, we haven't seen them break through and beat the East. And then, you know, you kind of saw what happened in the Rose Bowl you guys don't want to talk about, so we (laughs) we don't have to. Um, but, uh, But, no, the other point being, because Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Purdue, Minnesota are all kind of... I would say about the same. Mm-hmm. I think they're all going to beat each other up to the point that they can't get out of the Big Ten West without two losses. I think it's a complete coin flip, Bill. I really do. I'm glad you went to the Big Ten West because, look, someone is going to win. Um, who is that someone, Bill? If you had to say, uh, you know, right now, who's going who's gonna to prevail out of the West? And I agree, there's a ton of parity. Well, you know, I almost want to. I was on, you know, with Jack Ebling, those guys up in East Lansing, and they like they like Minnesota, which mm-hmm. is a good pick. Yep. I think the national media likes Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wisconsin's always a safe pick. I would probably pick Northwestern today, just because I think they did it last year. I think Hunter Johnson adds something to their offense. No question. But again, that depends on. You know, you also got to look at the crossover schedules too. Northwestern's probably a little more friendly. Iowa, you know, they got to go to Michigan. Um, who's their other? Do they? They don't. They don't play Ohio State. They no, Penn State. State. Penn State. Though. Yeah, see, that's that's tough. Um, they they don't. They never play Ohio State anymore, which is one of the consequences Sad. of these yep. divisions. Um, but Iowa's certainly capable of winning the division too. Experienced quarterback, 
very good defensive line. You know, you've got a first-round pick right there in Epinesa, and then uh, I think they've got a chance to do it too. So it's really like, and I've gotten into this answer, I haven't even mentioned Purdue, who will probably be the mm-hmm. fastest team out of all of them. Yeah, they, they could very well be. Uh, you know, you mentioned Iowa's got a good quarterback, and we're with you, Nate Stanley, um, which leads me to the Nate Stanley's going to be a part of the Peyton, or the Manning, rather, not the Peyton Manning, the Manning passing camp. Do they allow media to cover that, Bill? It's quite a list of quarterbacks that have already committed to go, and it's still growing. I mean, some of the who-who in college, who's who in college football. Would you, um, if you could, would that be something that you would be interested interested in going to cover i don't know if they allow that or not i don't know if they do but if i did i i with all this all respect to like nathan stanley i just want to hang out with the mannings if i could <laughs> and see, you know their process and i got had a chance to talk to archie manning i think it was last year and you know like it's one of those deals where it's not fake and all of those like you know stereotypes about the mannings being this all shucks family are very real. He couldn't have been more gracious. He was awesome to talk to, total class. And, you know, Peyton and Eli have been that way throughout their careers as well. So um, I'd probably want to more hang out with Peyton and, and see, because he's the one that just knows that position more, I think, more than any quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. I'm with you. This quarterback class as a whole is absolutely monstrous. And we mentioned Nate Stanley here locally, but with Herbert coming back and everything else. It, Trevor Lawrence still has got another year, of course, Tua, and on and on and on. Bill, when you look at this quarterback class and the quarterback play, it seems like it's as good as it's ever been. Well, uh, Nick Saban was talking about this at the title game last year, and it was just, it's a product of, I don't want to say these, these guys are like computers, but they, they're at it so much earlier now. And, you know, these quarterback camps when they're seven, eight, nine, and they're able to process the information, play the, it's almost like a real life video game. And I hate that analogy most times, but it's when you watch Trevor Lawrence play, kind of a cheat code. He, he can step up in the pocket, his techniques flawless. And, but the other side of it with him that has impressed me the most so far is his attitude. His, uh, I don't think he knows how good he is right now. It's interesting, Bill, because a lot of people think he's going to be listed, you know, when fast forward 30 years, and God knows I don't want to, that we'll be talking about Trevor Lawrence as one of the greatest, not only his college career, but that NFL career that he tacked on top of it. That's the kind of uh, rarefied error that uh, that he resides in, at least in a lot of people's minds. I want to move over to the NFL since we segue to that. You wrote a really good piece on the Green Bay Packers yesterday, their offseason uh, depth chart, both sides of the football. I know you're a Packer fan. Um, so, you know, when, when you, when you did that piece, obviously, you know, this, this, this team inside and out, uh, just from watching it and f- covering it, following it, I guess, like you do. Uh, does this look like a team to you from, you know, just as we sit here in the uh, middle of May that might be prepared to challenge the Bears for supremacy in the, uh, NFC North? Well, um, you know, as a fan, I would say I hope so. Um, but their, their move, was to get more defense, and they did that through free agency. They took some chances in the draft. I think Rashawn Gary's kind of an X-factor player. Mm-hmm. I actually like the Darnell Savage Jr. pick better because I think he fits in right away. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting because, I, as you said, I followed Green Bay long enough that I remember what is called the Ray Rhodes year, the one year that they had with him, and <laughs> yeah. it didn't work. And But Brett Favre, late in his career, had Mike McCarthy, and it's it's kind of ironic that that was the guy that kind of reignited Brett Favre 
and it just went stale with Aaron Rodgers. So I think Matt LaFleur, it, if he does for the Packers what Matt Nagy did for the Bears, then yeah, they'll be able to compete with the Vikings and Bears again. And I think anytime you have Aaron Rodgers on the field, regardless, um, you'll have a chance to win. Take off your writer hat for a moment. Put on your fan cap after years and years of Ted Thompson. Are you enjoying the Brian Gunacoots era so far as GM? It's a hit or miss. I mean, obviously, the one thing he's probably not going to live down for a long time is, as you know, Trent, as just being a fan, the Khalil Mack trade yeah. the entire complexion of the division. Mm-hmm. Because the Bears went from kind of a curiosity to a nasty defense. Trubisky's pretty good. Um, I think as they continue to surround him with guys, David Montgomery is a great pick, yep. by the way. I always, as a fan, like this is strictly talking as like a fan that would call you guys, call in <laughs> you guys. I get so annoyed when the Bears make good picks and the Vikings <laughs> make good picks, and uh, I don't worry about the Lions too often. No, 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 no. Uh, I've forgotten you, fourth. Indeed, if you root for a team in the NFC North, you're you're glad that that's where they reside. Hey, Bill. Last thing, away from football, just real quick on on college basketball. Uh, John Beeline piece. Uh, you, you wrote it early in the week when the news came out that he's jumping to the uh, to the NBA from uh, from college basketball. I think college basketball got worse when he left. I do. Uh, he seemed to do things the right way. You, I, he's one of those guys that you don't think is ever going to get caught up in a scandal. Now, admittedly, there's been others that uh, you know I felt the same way about that uh, their names did get included um but beeline was never one of those guys college basketball it's not better off without him is it no i mean i it was a i'm still really kind of trying to process i get his decision from his standpoint you know he's been doing it so long and you know maybe he got frustrated with some things in the college game and wanted to see as a competitor you always want to see how you can do it the highest level so i understand that he could have gone I think he's a guy that could have coached at Michigan four or five more years, you know, not really done anything, and he'd still be beloved for what he did. Um, so it is a curious decision. I think from the college standpoint, they do lose one of those voices that they need yep. because we're coming off the trials. We're coming off a lot of uncertainty in the sport, and he was one that stood out as, you know, you never heard somebody say a bad thing about it. John Beeline. I know people here in Columbus that actually like him, and that says hmm. all you need to know. And he pulled Trey Burke out of Central Ohio, and they still like him. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that resonates a little bit, no doubt. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Bill, what are you working on this week? Tease us a little bit. What can we look forward to at SportingNews.com? <laughs> I just turned in, as you said, working on a little bit of NFL stuff. I, I just turned in our NFL coach rankings, which hmm. everybody will agree with those, 1 through 32, I'm sure. <laughs> and then... Um, I, this afternoon, I'm going to take a long look at bull projections because I think we're going to release those next week. And and as again, those are always 100 percent correct in May. Uh, do you do you have Iowa and Iowa State's destination done already or no? <laughs> I, no I haven't even looked at it. Once you get once you look at the 40 bulls and you kind of sketch start sketching it out, I generally start to cry uh, <laughs> upstairs. You know, get another cup of coffee and then get to it. Good stuff, Bill Bender, Sporting News. We'll look forward to that, Bill. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com, as uh, he joins us seemingly weekly now as we uh, inch our way to college football season. So he's going to be doing, in addition to his college football duties, mm-hmm. you know, I forgot to ask him. 
we talked about it at the beginning of the show. You're, you're going to be proven right. Uh, the Clemson Syracuse, you know, when the announcement came uh-huh. out last night, as we talked about it, just I think solidifies that that is going to be college game day, uh, and they will cross Syracuse off the list. Uh, there'll be one fewer team that's never hosted. Thought for a while it was going to be our friends in Ames, but um, not anymore. Well, you know, you're learning. Listen to Trent Condon. He kind of knows what's going on. Indeed, Trent. That's why I brought you over here. And I appreciate you carrying my you-know-what for the two hours a day. Anyways, uh, we are going to talk Hawks and Clones coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Um, we're going to have uh, Mark Morehouse is going to slide on in here. So is Alex Halstead on Iowa State as we take you towards noon. And we're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.